Hey everyone, welcome to Starfield Pulse, the Settled System's number one Starfield podcast. I'm your host, Rob, and tonight we have a really good show in store for you. But what else would I say? Would I say we've got a terrible show in store for you? No. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> Anyways, we've got a good show in store for you, uh, packed with news, and I hope you enjoy every little bit of it as much as I enjoyed putting it together to share with you. Remember, you can catch Starfield Pulse Live every week on our Twitch channel at 8 p.m. Central. And also, until the foreseeable future, you can also catch us at 9 p.m. Central on Thursday nights, like tonight, because there's just so much news about the game pouring out in this release window. I can't just do this once a week. I know a lot of you that listen to the podcast are from places other than the Americas, and I wanted to say thank you and I see you. I've also seen a great many of you come into chat and tell me how you first heard me on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and now you're watching on Twitch, and thank you. Thank you so much, and thanks to everybody that comes and watches these live. I see you, and I appreciate it. That said, let's jump into the news of the week over the past few days. First off, let's take a look at an article that was over at GameSpot, and this came really from Xbox themselves. It says Starfield already has over 6 million players, making it Bethesda's biggest launch of all time. That is insane. That is a very large number. Though Bethesda's space RPG Starfield has officially been out for less than two days, it's already become the biggest launch in the studio's history. The news comes from the official X, formerly Twitter, Starfield account. In the post it reads, as of this morning, Starfield has already surpassed 6 million players, making it the biggest Bethesda game launch of all time. This is one of the many highlights for Starfield. Just yesterday on September 6, 2023, Xbox boss Phil Spencer tweeted out that the game had exceeded 1 million concurrent players across all platforms. According to Steam charts, Starfield is currently the number one top-selling game, beating out titles such as Counter-Strike Global Offensive and even Baldur's Gate 3. It's also sitting at number four on the top 100 played games. Since its launch, Starfield has taken on a life of its own. Players have discovered that the potato physics in the game are top-notch. Having daily sex is a great level up. And even how to print as much money as you want. Sign me up for all those things. But really, let's, let's talk about that number, 6 million. At first blush, it's like 6 million. That's great. That's not necessarily units sold, though. So we have to take into account the fact that the game is on Game Pass. And that is drastically going to impact the amount of people that played this game. But it's great to see that this is the most engaged game that Bethesda Studios has put out. So I think it's safe to say that Xbox finally has their hit from this acquisition. Because unfortunately, you know, it sure wasn't Redfall. I don't know that they've ever really told us how many units or how many players have actually played that game. But as of today, we've had over 6 million players play Starfield. So it seems to have worked. Congratulations to Bethesda, Bethesda Softworks, which is the publishing arm of Bethesda Game Studios, and Microsoft on that wonderful, wonderful success that you've seen so far. There's also been a little interesting development because people, being the hackers that they are, have discovered that there's a way to use console commands on your Xbox. This one comes to us via IGN, and that one of the best things about playing Starfield on PC is the access to console commands. And if you're not sure what console commands are, essentially, you can basically put your character in God mode if you want. You could 
go in there and you can adjust your levels. You can adjust encumbrance. You can just adjust a lot of different settings through console commands. One thing you have to be careful though, is that you could disable achievements by doing that, but don't worry. There's a mod for that too. If you use mods, you'll disable your achievement, but some modders have been able to mod that and put those achievements right back in. Regardless, in Starfield, cheat codes are enabled via console commands, but they only work on the PC version of the game. These cheat codes let you do everything from spawning any item in the game to toggle God mode. Xbox Series X and S owners, however, do not have access to console commands, but players have discovered a workaround that, while limited, does let console players get on some of the cheating action. If you own Starfield on Xbox or Xbox Game Pass, you can download it on any PC for free via the Xbox app. Even if your PC is a potato, just run the game using the same Microsoft account that your save files from the Xbox are transferred across. So this is part of the whole play anywhere that Microsoft has really dove headlong into. If you can play it on your Xbox, you can take that same save and play it on your PC and vice versa. Don't get that confused with your Steam save. You can't play it on Steam, but you can play it on the Xbox client on your PC. Thanks to Microsoft's cross-platform save system, the next time you run Starfield on Xbox, your modified save file from PC, along with its enabled cheats, carries over. So players are using this trick to, for example, get around Starfield's frustrating weight limit. Man, I might have to go in there and, uh, <laughs> and do me some cheats, because I think I might have made it pretty evident last week. Hey, call me Savage. Thanks for that gifted... Sub, I really appreciate that. I think I might have made it evident last week my thoughts on encumbrance and how I really feel that while I can understand some necessity to it, I think it currently is overly burdensome. But as a Redditor, Demzax pointed out, if you use console commands on PC, Starfield automatically turns off achievement progress. Thankfully, there's already a mod on PC that prevents this. But, however that won't necessarily carry over to your Xbox. So be careful. If you do use these console commands, you do run the risk of cheating yourself out of any potential achievement progress you could get as well. And no one wants that, really. I mean, that's part of the fun, right? Getting those Chivos. Here's one thing that came out of the community, and I'm sure this was, I want to say it's probably sponsored, but regardless whether it was or was not, this is something that's really awesome. There is a, there is a, content creator out there, Terrace120 underscore builds. And you can find them on Instagram and Twitter. And they built a diorama out of like 6,000 Legos of the capital city Atlantis. So for those of you that are watching, you can see, I will pull up a image of this so you can see it for yourself. And for those of you who are listening, I will definitely put a link in the show notes so you can go over to Instagram or Twitter and see this for yourself. But this is just very, it's crazy. Like, I love the artistic talent that some people have out there. It is just amazing because I, I love Lego and I can put Lego together by instructions. But good Lord, I could not just build this on my own. So absolute respect to Terrace120 Builds. This Lego diorama of New Atlantis is amazing. They said, I just couldn't help myself. And instead of playing Starfield, I immediately ended up rebricking New Atlantis. Roughly 50 hours and 6,000 pieces later, 
This is the result. And this, by the way, is an absolute work of art. And if you like Lego, like, you know, most people should, go ahead and I challenge you to take a look at Terrace 120 builds and just not be inspired and awed a little bit by the different scenes this creator builds. They are magnificent. Additionally, there was a funny little Easter egg that the community found and IGN made a, a interesting little meme with. Potatoes. Potatoes are a reference to the Lord of the Rings in Starfield. If you find a potato in the description, it says can be prepared many ways. Boiled, mashed, used in a stew. The recipes are nearly limitless. And that, my friends, goes back to Samwise Gamgee and his comments in mash them, smash them, put them in a stew, or boil them, mash them, put them in a stew, regardless. Uh, it's hard to think of Lord of the Rings and not have that line roll through your head. Uh, and so it's funny to see that they put that as an Easter egg inside this game. One other thing that, you know, players found out this week was how you could get a very strong, I hesitate to say like overpowered or the best because it's not any of those, right? It's a good, uh, it's a good set of armor, but it's not the best. So Starfield players have found a easy way to get a killer spacesuit super early. This was discovered by Patrick Maka and it was shared on Twitter. If you go into the basement of the lodge, you will find a spacesuit on a mannequin behind glass. Now, the intended way to get this is for you to unlock the case, and I believe it requires like master level unlocks. But Bethesda being Bethesda, or maybe they just kind of did this to see if somebody could find it. There is the potential for you to line your character up correctly with the mannequin and be able to reach. I'm using air quotes as I'm saying this for the people who are listening and not watching. You can reach and grab that suit. And it's three pieces. It's a helmet. It's the suit and the booster. And when you get all of them put together, you have in the hundreds for the armor. So it's not really, it's not blue quality. It's not purple quality. It's not increasing your O2 levels, decreasing your CO2 consumption or anything like that. It is just pure armor, but it's also worth quite a bit of money too. Like I believe the suit is worth in the 35,000s. So if you were to take a look at that, and for those of you that are watching on video, I'm gonna go ahead and show you what's going on here. But if you go down to the basement, all right, so we can see the stats here. The pack, its value, is 11,655. The helmet is 9,255. The spacesuit is at 35,410. The Mark I pack has physical resistance of 66, energy resistance of 64, elemental resistance of 65. It has a little bit of thermal resistance, but not much in the way of corrosive radiation. And it's basically says it's just a basic boost pack. The helmet, physical 66, energy 64, elemental 68 high value, but again, these things don't have, they're, they're worth a lot and they have a ton of armor, but they don't have anything else really to them. So they're not really going to be like your end game suit, but early on, these are definitely pretty helpful, especially with the amount of armor 
that they provide. So basically go into the library, make your way down to the bottom. You'll find the mannequin within glass. Go ahead and line yourself up with the gaps in the glass and you should be able to plunk it out. And I'm trying to find the Mark I spacesuit. Physical resistance is 120, energy is 136, and elemental is 128. So basically you're gonna put yourself between the two almost to 300 armor range right there. So a good place to start. All right, so on that note, what have you guys been up to? So me personally, I have about 12 hours in the game. All right, so I have about 12 hours into the game. I am collected a few artifacts. My favorite place so far that I've visited is the Mech Junkyard. I wanna spend some more time there. In fact, I haven't left. I'm really exploring that area to find out what's there. Again, slight spoilers is very early on, so I apologize to anybody that's listening who may not be there yet. I promise not to go any further than that. Uh, and again, for the next few episodes, we will not get very deep into the story because I know people are really taking this game at their own pace and I don't want to spoil any surprises, which I don't really think that one was very much of. That said, I'm also got kid stuff, right? For one of my traits. And I got a letter from my dad asking him to go visit. And I did. I visited my parents. I can definitely see that my character favors his mother. She has the same jaws he does. <laughs> uh, the hair colors are flip-flopped. It's pretty interesting. You could definitely tell that your parents' characters are directly influenced by your character. Now that I'm thinking about it, though, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to who the voice actors were, and they really did tease that that was kind of something special. So I'm going to have to go back and revisit them to, to really pick up who it was that was voicing your mother and father. Additionally, I walked around the house and... They had toilet paper just sitting on a shelf, not in the bathroom, mind you, just there. And so I figured like any good kid come home to visit mom and dad, I'd just uh, steal some toilet paper so I could take it back to my ship. Similar to a college student. <laughs> but that was kind of fun. And oh, by the way, they did take some money from me. So I guess I really didn't steal the toilet paper from them. They more or less, uh, I bought it for 2% of my income. <laughs> but anyways, I thought that was kind of funny. And just as a, rem a reminder, uh, in celebration of the launch of the game and appreciation of all my YouTube members and the Twitch subscribers, like we just picked up a few more this evening, I'm, give I'm giving away a premiere upgrade on the 15th. This is for the Xbox version of the game. Uh, I know you're missing out on the early access days, but this will still grant you the Shattered Space Story expansion upon release, Constellation Skin Pack, the Equinox Laser Rifle, the spacesuit, the helmet, and the boost pack, and access to the Starfield digital art book and the original soundtrack, which, by the way, the art book and the soundtrack are amazing, and they're definitely worth, maybe not the entirety of the upgrade, but they definitely add value to that upgrade. And so you don't have to do anything in addition. It's just for anybody who happens to be a YouTube member or a Twitch subscriber, on the 15th, I'll put all your names on a list. I'll do a randomizer, and whoever's number pops up, that's who will get it. And I will message you either if you're on YouTube, you're in my discord, I'll hit you up that way. Or if you're through Twitch, I will DM you over Twitch. That said, I wanted to take a look at the critics 
reviews and not so much Metacritic this time, but want to take a look at Open Critic. And I know some people still feel like they have heartburn over the score that this game has received. And they feel like there's some camp issues. People are in either Camp PlayStation or Camp Xbox, and it's helping driving favoritism for reviews. But I want to point out that this game currently has an 88 on Open Critic, which rates mighty. Also, that puts it in the 98th percentile of games scored on Open Critic. So that means out of 100 games, it scores better than 98 of them. That's a really, you know, thing. That's a really hard thing to do. That said, this game is being scored marvelously by almost every single outlet out there. And so, yeah, there's always going to be a few that don't share the same opinion with you. And that's fine. They're, what they have to say typically is valid as well. Some of them are bringing up very valid points. I don't know that it necessarily rates to put the score where it is. But, you know, again, reviews are opinions. Love them or hate them. Align yourself with reviewers that tend to think the same about games as you do. That way, if you're making purchasing decisions based upon those reviews, you can say, okay, I know this guy usually likes the same things I do, so I can buy this. Or I know this girl usually does not like the things that I, the same things I do. So maybe if she doesn't like it, it's okay. Maybe I will or, or vice versa. That said, I kind of went through some of the Starfield reviews today and I wanted to get a lot of these are, were nines of tens, eight and a half out of tens, 10 or tens. So a lot of these are great, but then there was one that was a five of 10. And I was like, how do we get a five out of 10 when all these other people are giving eight out of tens? So, so part of the review roundup tonight is I wanted to look at this review from Paste Magazine. Starfield fails to launch. Who knew outer space could feel so similar? Bethesda's latest RPG, Starfield, entices with the vastness of the universe, boasting of over a thousand planets to visit and hundreds of hours of content to play through. It feels cold, lifeless, and uninspired, though less a startling or awesome vision of the future than a hodgepodge of obvious influences blended together in the standard Bethesda format. Starfield makes exploring unknown galaxies feel like drudge work. There are certain things you expect from a Bethesda game, and Starfield pretty much has them all. It's heavy on story and choice, with a plethora of characters both major and minor, hours of dialogue, and dozens of side quests branching off of the main thread. There are multiple in-game factions you can choose to join or turn into enemies, and you'll acquire a coterie of sidekicks and partners who will accompany you anywhere. Only one at a time, though, of course. Along the way, you'll routinely make decisions that will have a noticeable impact on the universe and your role in it. Want to play as a persuasive smooth talker trying to play all sides while avoiding violence as much as possible? Give it a shot. Want to just play like Doom Guy and rip and tear everybody you see? I mean, you can do that, but good luck getting much out of the game if you take that route. So, so far, it sounds like they have good things to say, whether they realize they're saying good things or not. Instead of post-apocalyptic America or ancient fantasy realm, Starfield takes those Bethesda hallmarks to the stars. You'll bop around its myriad galaxies, visiting planets and moons and star systems while tracking down the unknown magical artifacts that set the main plot in motion. These artifacts reveal a grand celestial mystery that could be connected to the afterlife itself, the last undiscovered country left for a human race that, by the game's setting in the 24th century, has explored the entire cosmos. Each artifact is its initial discoverer. I'm going to skip some spoilers here. There's nothing fundamentally wrong with the Bethesda format. I'm a fan of Skyrim and the Fallout games the studio's made. Starfield's major failing is its writing. It lacks the memorable characters of Fallout 4, the compelling mysteries you discover on the edge of Skyrim's main quest, 
and the strong sense of place of Fallout 3. Your closest partners, the members of an explorer's group known as Constellation, that recruit you after you discover your first artifact, are with only a couple of exceptions, bland archetypes who'll be tired of talking to well before you unravel the mystery of the artifacts. Make sure you regularly cycle out your active partner and the crew members on your ship. If not, you'll hear the same obnoxious lines of dialogues dozens of times. The only Constellation member that doesn't quickly grate is a salty old ex-pirate who spends most of his time on a satellite instead of in the mansion that serves as the group's headquarters. Even he doesn't want to hang out with the crew all that often. That's kind of funny. Fallout and Elder Scrolls games are also full of distinctive locations, from friendly cities and settlements to the deadly dens of your enemies. Starfield has its fair share of unique locales, including a handful of cities you'll probably return to throughout the game. Most of those thousands of planets are at least partially procedurally generated, though, and as a result, they tread towards a... a stultifying sameness that doesn't make much of an impression, instead of the gorgeous Technicolor wizardry of No Man's Sky. The typical planet in Starfield is as drab as the game's characters. You'll quickly get your fill of gray, green, and brown rocks, often with no flora or fauna upon them. When you do land on a planet with life, it'll be similarly looking vegetation throughout and animals that tend to resemble a few basic forms. Occasionally, you'll stumble upon an interesting creature, like a race of brains atop tentacles, or dinosaur giraffes who are basically invisible, but those have been rare. Even planets that are colorful and with diverse native life have a touch of the sameness, flat, innervating dreariness that Bethesda games sometimes fall into. Oh, and there's so much random junk you can pick up. Almost as soon as the game starts, you'll be rifling through drawers and cabinets in outer space offices, deciding whether you need to pocket those completely loose pens and folders and notebooks. If your favorite part of Bethesda games is the sheer volume of unnecessary trash you can collect for absolutely no reason, you'll love Starfield. It's kind of overwhelming. There's a lot of trash. There really is. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and it starts right away. Like, literally, you're on the mining station, and there's there's cabinets there with garbage that you can just start picking up. And it's like, holy cow. It's a lot. Despite all that, simple act of exploring is probably the best thing about Starfield. Trekking across new planets while trying to scan the native life for your records feels more rewarding than shouting all your way through a gang of pirates and abandoned science stations, something you'll do a lot of. Even if none of that data you collect really means anything, it's the same elemental gotta collect them all mentality that games are dangerously good at tapping into, and whenever I land on a planet with life, I struggle with staying focused on the task at hand instead of running around and scanning all the critters and plants. If I wasn't playing this game for review and thus trying to get through the main story, I'm sure I'd have spent weeks just aimlessly visiting plants and satellites. The worst thing about exploring in Starfield is that you once land all you had to do on foot. I'm sorry. The worst thing about exploring in Starfield is that once you land, you have to do it all on foot. Your ship can't fly within a planet's atmosphere, so instead of zooming around in the sky while looking for interesting spots below, you'll have to either hoof it or enter back into space before settling back down elsewhere on the planet. Both are annoyingly time-consuming. So this, and this goes on like this, Reading this review and the critique that the writer has, it doesn't feel like a five. Like, it doesn't. Like, I know they gave it a five, but it, it doesn't sound like a five. They have complaints, which some of them have legitimacy to. But a five is like a bad game. And they're not explaining a bad game. They're just maybe explaining a, explaining a mediocre game, maybe a game that's slightly boring, but they even said if there wasn't a main quest that they had to do for the review that they would spend like hours upon hours just aimlessly exploring, right? So who reviews the reviewers? I guess me, <laughs> right? We're going to review the reviewer here. So no offense to this author, but 
your points don't substantiate your score. Um, and I'm not going to mention their name because the last thing I want to do is like add to a dog pile. But yeah, so it's like, did you just give it this low of a score to get people to look at this and read your piece and be like, well, okay, I see what you said, but it you're not talking about a broken game. You're not talking about a bad game. You're talking about a game that you just didn't necessarily enjoy, but that doesn't make it bad. And a five is bad, right? A six is mediocre. A seven's good. An eight's great. A nine is like excellent and a 10's a masterpiece. A five's bad. This is not a bad game. This is review is written about a game that's not a five. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, moving on from paste. So now you know. If you see a super low review score on a game from paste, maybe it's not really a bad game. It's just somebody giving a score so they'll stand out from the crowd. I want to let you re- and remind you that you can always reach me at starfieldpulse at gmail.com, just like Greg did. I also place polls and questions in each episode. So I don't know if you knew that or not, but if you listen to these on Spotify, look over in the polls section and look in the questions section. On Monday, I asked, Metacritic has an 86, OpenCritic has an 88. Do you think the reviewers got it right? And here were some of the responses. From Rechnitzer8, he said, I definitely thought, or she, I definitely thought that it could be higher, but I think it's a fair score, which, you know, that's great. You understand that for you personally, it's, it's a higher score, but you can see where other people have conflicting opinions. Whereas Dale DeFazio said, I think you're looking at Starfield all wrong if you don't think it's a next-gen game. And then he goes on about the skills are good too. Uh, you have to be able to have you know, more skills to carry more things. Otherwise, you know, that's part of the fun. So that's in response to last episode where I really started getting into encumbrance and how I thought it was, there. you immediately started off with too low of a carrying capacity and then you had to spend skill points to raise that carrying capacity and you still didn't really get to raise it that significant amount and it just felt like wasted points and it wasn't fun especially because there's a whole lot of things you have to do with your points early on to be able to do things that are readily available, like use your jump pack and open locks. And oh, by the way, it looks like every time you walk into something, there's another lock you have to open. And I'm amazed at how some so many of them are like master level this early in the game. Uh, so yeah, I'd rather be spending my points on that than spending my points on being able to, you know, on weightlifting so I can carry more stuff. And then Lee Stacy said, I think it's fair. It's not quite game of the year, but what Starfield does right, it really does well. And then on the mod front, Star UI looks great. So we will start to get more into mods as the episodes go on and the news starts to lighten. But for now, I'm sticking more to the news and these earlier views and fewer on the mods. But if you're looking for a mod to help clean up your UI, Star UI looks great. It puts a lot more information at your fingertips. It allows you to see more rows of items at once as opposed to the way the UI currently is and the inventory management beyond the, you know, the encumbrance and your carrying capacity, the way you see these things, it really could be cleaned up. So that's all for now, folks. Remember, if you're watching this on YouTube to like and leave a nice comment. And hopefully the audio is better this time. So you're not like, oh, my ears. Uh, If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, please leave a comment and review and make sure you look for the poll questions. If you're listening to this on your second favorite podcast app because you can't find it on your first favorite podcast app, email me 
and let me know what I'm missing. And yes, I used that joke last week too. And maybe I'll use it next week also. But for now, for all, into the star field. <laughs>